So you've probably heard us in previous episodes talk about those highly allocated bottles that are absolutely worth hunting. So I guess we have to do an episode on the bottles that aren't worth hunting, right? Right. So here it goes. Stick around. All right. So the secret's out. Bourbon Real Talk finally has a Patreon. Yes, we do. And we're very excited about it because we're going to be able to bring even more bourbon benefit to you Mm -hmm. as our viewer if you join our Patreon and get involved. Yep. So we're going to have lots of extra bonus content. There's going to be lives where we're going to be able to get on and interact personally with one another. We're going to be doing live events. There's going to be discounts on merch. We're even going to do some exclusive barrel picks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So So you don't want to miss it. Don't want to miss that. And it's a great way for you to support the channel. So head on over to our Patreon, check it out, see if there's a level that you're comfortable with, and just go down to the description and you'll be able to click the link. Yeah. So let's get right into today's episode. Like I said in the introduction, we did a recent episode that talked about the highly allocated bottles that we absolutely believe are worth hunting after. Mm -hmm. They're bottles we love, pours that are worth it. And so we we thought that we would be beneficial to follow that up with another episode of those highly allocated bottles that we've tried multiple times and we just can't get our palates around them. They're just not worth the hype. They're not worth the pursuit. And so... With that, we have to start with another disclaimer, and that is that, again, everybody's palate's different. Mm -hmm. Same disclaimer as the last time. It's just a different episode. Guys, listen, this is what we think is our personal opinion on these bottles, all right? And we don't even agree on all of these. Yeah, and you'll see. There is a bottle in this group that I do not think that should be in this group. (laughs) But we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But we wanted to start that off with a disclaimer just so you know that, hey, guys, if you love these pours, absolutely love that for you yeah we I, I wish I loved some of these pores more than I do but um, this is just our only opinion yeah and and also understand that part of the way that I did this evaluation was based on the secondary price of these bottles because secondary price of the bottles is a very good way to identify how much effort it takes right, right? Yep. or money because it's effort or money to get this level of bottle yep and if if the if the secondary price is so high that I know it's going to take me forever and a lot of relationship building to get the bottle, these are bottles that I'm like I may not even spend that that political capital with that store to get this bottle. Sure. So you've heard the term is the juice worth the squeeze, right? And so that is exactly what we're talking about, except it's brown juice this time. Um, but yeah, these are bottles that either the price is crazy, the hunt is crazy, the effort, the energy, uh, it's just not worth it in our opinion. Sure. All right, so I'll get us started off with one, two, three, and four of our list of 11 are Pappy 23, Pappy 20, Pappy 15, mm-hmm. and Van Winkle Lot B. Okay. All right, so let's take them one at a time. Sure. Pappy 23 and Pappy 20 are not worth the hunt, in my opinion, for the same reason. Right. They're just over oaked. Overdone, yep. They, to me, I, the last bottle of Pappy 20 that I owned, it literally tasted like vinegar. Mm. It, it, it had like this olive component to it. And when I tell people it tastes like a dirty martini, almost universally, they all agree. Yep. And that's not what I'm looking for in a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and the secondary prices on those bottles has gotten so ridiculously high that I just feared that if somebody saw that as the creme de la creme and I have to have it, and they go out and they pay that price, they're going to be super disappointed in the yeah. flavor. Yeah, I mean, those prices are 
five thousand dollars or more for some of those bottles right there. Yeah. And on that's on the secondary, of course. And it's it's it, to me, it's like a, a well done steak, right? It just doesn't fit my palate well. But there's some people who love sure. a, an overdone steak. And to me, I, it, Nate, Randy hit the the nail on the head. It's just too much time, too much right. time on the grill, too much time in the barrel. Okay. Yeah. You get too much of those. Uh, less desirable notes from the barrel influence than you do with some younger year stuff. And so totally agree on those. Now the Pappy 15, um, similar problem with that. It's secondary value is too freaking high. It's too much relationship building to get it for the flavor. It is a little bit over oaked, but this was one that I almost didn't put on the list yeah, yeah. because I, this is a pour <laughs> that I actually would drink. There are days that I've tried it where I'm like, ah, this is just too much oak for me. Mm -hmm. And there are other days that I'm having a better palate day where I do enjoy it. So this one that I actually enjoy, I didn't drink the Pappy 20. Once I had sampled it, when I let somebody try it, I didn't drink it with them. The Pappy 15, I would drink with people, but just because of the secondary value, I put it on the list because the effort yeah. that it takes, it's just its just too much. And and then the, the last one that I mentioned from the Van Winkle line, the Van Winkle Lot B, yeah. simply, it's just too low proof. Too low proof for me too, yeah. I've got one, um, I've hardly drank much of it myself. Of course, I let people try it when they come over. Um, same thing with the the old Rip Ten and some of those 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 well known names of bottles that are hard to find. But that's one that I I don't personally prefer. Uh, a little too low proof, too sweet to me. I mean, it's just like candy dessert, and I'm just not. That's not my wheelhouse. Uh, but um, I totally agree on the 15. And, and be honest with you. Um, the reason it's on this list for me is not the flavor as much as it is the the journey to get it. Yeah, right? it's just it's a good it's a good pour. But are good pours worth great measures? No. So yeah. it's one of those for me. It's that, not that much better. Right. It's not that much better than than you know a Knob Creek single barrel, in my opinion. That you sure. Can find on the shelf. So I'm gonna let you lead us off with number five. Oh, of course you would, because this is the one that I don't think should be on this list. Uh, it is one of my favorite BTACs, and it is the Eagle Rare 17. Yeah. Now, I will say that the older version of the Eagle Rare that was the 90, what was it, 98 90, proof, 97 uh, proof, something there? No, I think it was 90 proof. 90 proof. And then okay. it went up to 101. 101, right. So the 101 is the one that I really like. It's, it's it, it has a little bit more flavor, more robust for me, uh, but... Um, I, I guess you don't enjoy it, so I can have the rest of your bottle, right? Is that um, what you're saying? Well, so let me tell you why it's on the list for me. <laughs> don't hurt that thing. That's, <laughs> again, that's precious to me and some of us out here watching. Uh, so let me tell you why it's on the list for me. Um, so I had all of the BTAC lineup. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, Buffalo Trace has an annual antique collection release that includes uh, George T. Stagg, William LaRue Weller, Eagle Rare 17, and then two Rye, Sazerac 18, and Thomas H. Handy. And so I had everything except for the Eagle Rare. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it so bad that I went out and I found a place to buy it, and it was $1,900. Wow. Okay, which is an insane amount. Right. It's the yes. most I've paid for a bottle of whiskey by far. Yeah. Um, probably by a factor of three. Okay. <laughs> and I opened it up, and, and I had had it before, and it's just a little too oaky and a little too light for me. Mm. And so this is one that... You know, kind of like the, the the Pappy 15, on the right day, it does taste good to me. 
There are days that it doesn't taste good to me. Mm -hmm. But when I start thinking about, you know, $1,900 worth of effort yes. or $1,900 worth of money, I would never do that again. Yeah. Ever. And I and and I don't want anybody else out there that's chasing that experience to go after it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And and I can agree with you on that point. In my opinion, there are only very 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 few whiskeys in the world that I would pay a thousand bucks for a bottle. Mm -hmm. That would be one of them. But nineteen hundred dollars—that's a—that's a steep paycheck, right there for that bottle right there. That's just going to be memories and. Uh, while they may be great memories, it's just not worth that price. Now, do I love this pour? Yes. Do I absolutely recommend hunting it? Yes. Get after it. But if it's that steep of a price, I'd probably pass too. Well, and, and people who've been over to my house whenever I do bottle shares know that you can have anything that's on my wall. Um, even the top shelf stuff, I pour the top shelf. But I paid so much for this bottle that it's the only one that I that I wince a little on the inside. <laughs> when, when somebody goes, oh, that's the one I want to try. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh, you know, and, and there's a hundred dollars. Right. When I when I think about that, that's what makes me go. Ah, this one's a little overhyped. Yeah. Did you know that bourbon can only be made in Kentucky? False. Truth is, bourbon can be made in any state in the United States. Well, did you know that good bourbon is only made in Kentucky. False again. Have you tried Still Austin? What's Still Austin? How'd you do that? Don't worry about it. Still Austin is a little bit different than others. First of all, they use heirloom grains. All of them are sourced from the state of Texas, which is gonna create biodiversity, but it's also gonna throw off some flavors that are a little bit more bold than what you're used to from the commodity grains from Kentucky. And two, they use a column still. A lot of people have had negative experiences with Texas bourbon because it came off of a pot still and it throws off flavors that they're not used to. So you end up with a flavor that's bold enough to be considered a Texas whiskey, but not so off profile that if you're used to Kentucky, you're not gonna like it. So everything really is bigger in Texas. True, everything is bigger in Texas, Wes. Yes. Still Austin, bourbon real talk approved. To have a bottle shipped to your door or find a retailer, click the link in the video description. Number six, uh, Weller CYPB. Yeah, I can agree. I mean, I guess it depends on which one it is. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that there's been some versions that are better than others. But at the end of the day, this is just a group of novice whiskey drinkers and may not even be really well-versed whiskey drinkers picking their favorite barrel and uh, that's what you get. So right. some years are maybe better than others and some are absolutely not worth it at but all. But it's it's choose your perfect bourbon. Mm -hmm. And so it's a crowdsourced yeah. uh, thing that, that Buffalo Trace does. It's the white label, um, it's sitting right here. And it's one that, I mean, quite honestly, I've tried it in a blind against a, a really solid, um, you know, Antique 107. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I like the Antique 107 more. Yeah. So, t you know, to me, I wouldn't spend a ton of time chasing this. I one. would be surprised if there's anybody who would taste this against 107 in a blind and pick CYPB. Yeah. I mean, it's just... No, no. 107 comparison. is really good. Yeah, though. it blows out water <laughs> and it's way more available, way cheaper, and way less effort. So if you want to sub that out with 107, get after it because this one, again, it's very, very hit or miss. Really, it just depends on the year and it depends on the crowd that was sourced, right? So that's what you're really, what you're picking is a crowdsourced thing. It's more of a novelty, like to, to get a bottle of that, but you're not getting it for the juice. I sure. mean, it's not worth it. Number seven on the list, same category, Weller 12 Year. 
Mm. So this is a bottle that it used to be a bottom shelf. It's still a screw top. It used to be, yeah. I mean, it's still a screw top. Screw yeah. top, most of them. And I can remember when they started to get rare, I was so shocked by it because I knew that it was bottom shelf whiskey. You know, it's not expensive. And I started calling around to all of the small local liquor stores because I figured they're probably sold out at the big chains where people are going in and asking. But there was this gas station slash liquor store by my house that they probably only seem sell like Jim Beam white label, you know? Like, yeah. And so I called them, they're like, yeah, we have two bottles. And I went in and picked them up. And I, quite honestly, it's, it's too light and it's too oaky for me. Mm. Um, and, and so I love the William LaRue Weller, uh, which is, which is also, also a 12-year of the same mash bill. But at the higher proof, it's great. When you water this thing down all the way down to 90 proof, mm -hmm. it just misses the mark for me. Yeah. Not, it's, it's very similar to the, um, to the Lot B for me. It's just been proofed down too much, you know. And I, I see why they have to do that because everything can't be uh, a William Leary Weller. Everything can't be a, um, you know, a Pappy or, um, you know. They've got, to, they've got to choose and pick, and then the stuff that's not chosen for whatever reason is proofed down to become some of these uh, these other labels. But, you know, that's one that is, again, at the right price, retail, pick it up. But sure. most of the time, you're going to be seeing it at a little bit higher price point and not worth it. In fact, I'd say that on all of these, if you got the chance to buy them at MSRP and you didn't have to spend a bunch of time hunting, mm -hmm. you weren't burning the opportunity to buy another better bottle with the store, mm -hmm. um, I would pick any of these up at, at MSRP. Yeah. Uh, but these would be ones where if the store called me and said, you get one allocated bottle, these would be at the bottom of my list for me. Yeah. Um, so we've been showing a lot of love to bourbons, but sure. that's not the only whiskey we drink. We no. drink Rise too. And so number eight on the list is Sazerac 18. Yeah. Uh, maybe one of my least favorite rides of all time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. And if you know Bourbon Real Talk, you know that I'm not a big high rye guy. So that's no surprise that there's a rye out there that I don't really love. But there, there's one that we disagree on, and it is Thomas H. Handy, mm -hmm. one of Randy's favorite rides, and one of my, oh my gosh, I can't. I can't hardly take it. Okay. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like it at all. And Saz kind of fits into that kind of category for me. Not a big fan of it. I mean, I think that um, there's a lot better rise out there for me personally. But I'm going to let you speak more to it because you're probably more of a rye fan than I am. I am, and um, I'll tell you that I've started to notice something that really good rye matures slightly faster than bourbon. And so you can get a really well-rounded rye at four to six years, where most of the time bourbon, you're not getting that well-rounded character until you're like six to 10 years old, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the reverse is true, that if you get a super high age rye, it's really easy to overdo it. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's like a, a, a burnt pizza that got left in the oven too long. And I start to taste on super high age ryes, something that tastes like a burnt tire like black burnt tire smoke. Mm. And I've had it on a number of the really high age um, whistle pigs. I've had it on high age lock, stock and barrel. And I get it on this Sazerac. Although I got it less on the Sazerac than I have some of the other really high age rise. Um, but but after I, and, and I actually got the opportunity last year to buy two Sazerac 18s at MSRP and I did pick them both up. And of course, uh, true to form, since I got home, I cracked it 
and I tasted it and I was like, this isn't as bad as I <laughs> thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but still one of those situations where if I was gonna burn up a, an opportunity to get a bottle uh, based on flavor, this would not be at the top of my list. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean the next one is another one that we may differ on a little bit. I just got one of my first bottles of this, and it's the uh, the Willet Purple Tops. Of course, it's probably what you've heard them called. Um, and really, what we were talking about on this list is ten years and under. Yeah, I have a nine year that I just recently got, and I think it's I think it's great. But uh, this one that we have here is the seven year, um, and I don't enjoy it as much. So I think that this is one that actually does better with a little bit higher age. Yeah, and so the story is is that Willet was a non distiller producer for their family estate uh, bourbons and rice. And so their family estate bourbons and rice, the bourbons are purple top, the rice are green top, mm-hmm. and they were sourcing. And they had bought some barrels um, because they're friends with everybody in the region. They're uh, one of the largest independent bottlers in uh, Kentucky, so they bottle for a lot of other brands. But they had some barrel aging warehouses, they're picking up barrels, and they ended up with a handful of like super high age barrels from distilleries that normally don't age that long. Mm-hmm. And so those those releases became legendary. And everybody wanted one of these really high age uh, purple tops. So fast forward, now they're releasing some of their own juice that they distilled, and they're kind of riding on the coattails of those old non-distiller produced whiskeys that were released, and they are just trading for stupid money on the secondary. And so typically, you know, right now, I used to say $10 per year of age, it's getting up to $12 to $13 per year of age because of inflation. Um, but it's not uncommon to see one of these trading yeah. for or selling retail for twenty to twenty-five dollars per year of age. Yeah. One, and then you'll see them on the secondary for a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars per year of age. Yeah. And Crazy. so that's why I'm just like, ah, the hype on these has just gotten a little bit beyond what the flavor is yeah. worth to me. Uh, it, you know, if I get them at retail, I, I buy them because of the experiences yeah. that you create, but I'd never buy one of these on the secondary. Yeah, crazy maybe, maybe mine tastes so good because it was at retail. Yeah. Yeah, so, and mine was at retail as well. Yeah, I wanted it at, so. a, at a raffle. Well, this next one is is one we talked about the size eighteen at that eighteen year mark. It's just really hard to, to do it right. This one's a bourbon at eighteen years, and it's the Elijah Craig eighteen. Yep. And for this one, honestly, I get nothing when yeah. I taste it. Yeah. It tastes like just just wood burnt wood water. <laughs> just I mean, wood it's water. Just like wood water. I mean, it's like. Where's the flavor? It's gone. Where's the Where's the, the there's proof? No fruit. It's there's gone. No, there's no, it's, yeah. yeah, you're not getting any of those flavor profiles that you normally get. Even the basic ones like vanilla and and honey or you know those those sweeter components. They're just they're gone and it baffles me. But every time I've had it in a blind, I know exactly which one it is because it just tastes like really diluted bourbon. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of like when you go to a dusty. Uh, bottle, yeah, you know, it's something that's like been around for thirty years or forty years, and it's it's been lost so much proof over the years to yeah. where it's like a sixty proof whiskey now. Yeah, that's really what it tastes like to me. That's actually a very fair comparison, and this is one that I always have it on the shelf because people want to try it. Um, and I've been lucky; I've been able to buy them in MSRP mm-hmm. before I run out of my last bottle. But we've put this one in blinds. I don't know how many times, and it always does poorly. Yeah, it does. Always does poorly, um, and so that's one I'd probably miss. And then number eleven, last but not least, uh, Bell Mead Honey. Mm. This is one. I mean, I'm going to let you speak mostly of this one because this is one that I haven't tried a whole lot. I think I've tried it once. Um, and it was with you when we were there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we got to try it at JB's uh, Whiskey House, I, I believe. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where it was. I thought it was at the distillery over there, but no. No, no. They will not let you try it at the distillery. Uh, we tried, and to be honest, they got, they the guy judged. got upset we even asked. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so, but, but yeah, so Bellmead, um, non-distiller produced product. They had some high-age MGP that they had been sourcing from years and years before. It might have been contract distilled. I can't. I couldn't tell if it was contract distilled or sourced. Um, and it was a very popular product. And they did a honey finish project, mm. and it took off. And of course, the whiskey was very tasty. If you add whiskey to honey, it's going to be sweet and delicious. <laughs> and but all of a sudden, like everyone started losing their minds. And <laughs> I remember, I, I think it was a year or two ago, they had put out the sign-up sheet because you have to sign up mm -hmm. and, and earn and win the right to buy a bottle. And then you have to pick it up at the distillery. Yeah. And they put the sign-up sheet and everyone's posting the sign-up sheet everywhere and everyone's freaking out. And then the day that they announced who won, everybody was posting when they won and all that stuff. And you'll literally see on the secondary pictures from the Bellmead parking lot where someone walked in, bought the bottle, walked out to their car, took a picture and put it up for sale so, for some outrageous amount of money. Right. And honestly, it tastes like honey. Yeah. So if you want to taste honey that bad, then just get any decent pour and put some honey in it. Yeah, I think honey's like four bucks at the, at the grocery store. <laughs> just it's, pour that in a really good bourbon and, and you've and, got And it. I'm not saying it's not good. And I'm not saying that if I, and for any of these bottles with the, you know, with some exceptions, if I got the chance to buy them at MSRP, I'm gonna buy them. Sure. And I, because I wanna share them with people and I wanna give those experiences. Um, but, you know, the level of hype for something that just is flavored with honey, I, I personally don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of those things that is, is true in the bourbon community is, again, everybody is different. And that's what's beautiful about the whiskey community and bourbon real talk community and bourbon real talk in general is that these spirits are meant to bring us together, not divide us. So right. don't take this list the wrong way. We're not trying to be divisive in any way. These are just not our preferences and we're trying to help you make a good decision when it comes to your bourbon hunting. Yeah, you get the opportunity to buy one of these. Um, there are some others that I would steer you to first if, if you just, like I said, had the yeah. chance to buy one. But that kind of leads us into our show philosophy, yeah, right? Does. We don't want to be divisive. We're about bringing people together here at Bourbon Real Talk. Mm -hmm. And that's something that it's important to me because I lost my brother to suicide in 2014. And I was looking for ways to create connection and community because I know that part of my brother's, you know, logic was that he didn't feel connected. Mm. He didn't feel like the people around it, around him wanted him around for the future. And when I saw the Connective Power Whiskey, I had the thought that if I can find a way to get you connected to whiskey, the whiskey will do the rest of the job and get you connected to others mm -hmm. so that you don't have to feel alone, so that you know that you have a place. And so that's part of the reason why we started Bourbon Real Talk. But as I got deeper into that whiskey journey and got involved in the online forums, I did start to notice that there's a dark underbelly yeah. of, of troll behavior where people are absolutely hateful to strangers online. Mm -hmm. And Wes noticed the same thing and eventually convinced me to start Bourbon Real Talk Community, which is a troll-free environment where you can interact with other whiskey yeah. lovers. A lot of really good things going on in there. People doing favors for each other. And that's really what whiskey is all about. Yep. So seeing that hate also made me realize that if those people can hate you online, even though they don't really know you, there's nothing that keeps me from loving you online, even though we don't really know each other. And that's why we end every podcast the same way. And that's this. If you woke up this morning and you're unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know 
that we love you. We'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk. Sure. Yeah. You get the opportunity to buy. <coughs> Sorry. No worries. Mm. Work it out. It's choking me up. Like just the, <laughs> the passion. Uh, you ready? Yeah. So that paparazzi song was like super popular when my kids were little. Mm-hmm. And they call my stepdad Papa Rusty. <laughs> and both of my kids would sing Papa, Papa Rusty instead of paparazzi and had no idea the song wasn't about their grandfather. <laughs> it was the best. Thank you, Lady Gaga. Yeah. Writing a song about Grandpa. I'm doing it puppy Rotsy for these little puppy dogs that are watching. Yeah, there's us. pups off camera every week. You don't so even I, know. Yes. Yeah. They're right here. And they're usually snoring. So they if you usually ever hear snore. snoring if you ever hear snoring on this episode, it's uh, it's it's the paparazzi. It's usually Lucy. But they they're both capable. Lucy Goosey yeah. or Maggie Moosey. Ah, I knew I was a bigger Bourbon Real Talk fan than you. How do you know that? Well, because I don't just use a prideful goat, Glenn. I got an official Bourbon Real Talk tumbler. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I got this Bourbon Real Talk lanyard to carry my whiskey glass in. Oh, well, speaking of whiskey glasses, do you have one of these? No, I don't. Rocks glass. Oh, yeah? Yep, official. Well, I love my wife, and I bought her this official whiskey wife flask from Bourbon Real Talk. Well, that's cute and everything, but I got my wife one of these. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you can just add your own liquor, and it's an actual cocktail right there in a, in a jar. Me and my wife like to make cocktails, so we got this simple syrup off oh, the website. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, do you and your wife have one of these? This is an official sticker. You can only get these on the website. Uh, no, but I do have these official coasters that have the Bourbon Real Talk logo on them, and I'm representing. Hmm. Well, while you're representing those little coasters of yours, I've got an aroma kit. Do you? Yeah, so I can smell literally everything in bourbon. Everything. Well, I don't have that, but I do have this sample box that I keep all my samples in because I'm part of the community and I share samples. Yeah, but do you have Glen Toppers that are officially Bourbon Real Talk? I don't have that, but I do have this large whiskey carrying case for my glasses so that I don't break them. See, I knew you had that. That's why I have this, the smaller version, okay? It packs more easily into your suitcase. Uh-huh. Don't have to mess with that big old tank, okay? Suitcase, that's for lamos. Check this thing out. I have a bourbon real taut bottle carrying bag. You can't beat that. I don't know if I can because- And on top of that, I have a bourbon real taut t-shirt. I'm the bigger fan. Oh, I can beat that. Is it extra schmedium? No, I don't have an extra schmedium. Ha! Extra schmedium. You might be the bigger fan, you win. I knew it. So whether you're a Bourbon Real Talk super fan or simply looking for quality whiskey swag, head over to bourbonrealtalk.com today.